podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference plus Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. We are, of course, the flagship show of the 1012 Network and partners with Sports Drink, your water cooler for sports and not sports, fantastic podcast network. I am your host, Philip Slayton. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Oh, what a Monday it is. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we are officially one quarter of the way through the college football season. That means two things. One, the end of the season is closer than it was three weeks ago, and it's already way too close, and it feels like an impending doom of sorts. And it's time to make some bold statements about the Big 12 and its beautiful teams. Doing so with me today, uh, two people who are with me every week, the glorious, the magnanimous JSJ herself, Jamie Steyer Johnson. I'm here. I I was up until... 2 a.m. Well, no, I fell asleep. I was up until 1 a.m. as my husband was watching the tragedy that was Hawkeye football. They won, but it's still tragic. But I'm here. That game ended at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's as if Iowa football isn't bad enough to watch. To stay up until 3 a.m. to do so. (laughs) I'm not sure I'd wish that on my worst enemies. I don't disagree. Uh, Also here, as he is every week, a man whose blue rings have risen and risen far and wide, Andy Mitz. It is a glorious day. Look, week four of the college football season is upon us, and it is the most wonderful thing in the world right now. Sounds like he just joined a cult. Yeah, it kind of does. Wait, you mean you haven't? All the kids are doing it. Yeah. (laughs) And that voice that we have not named, that is a guest that we love having here on the show who's joining us again to help us with our bold statements one quarter of the way through the season end. That is Joe Broback. Joe, welcome back, man. Hello. Uh, I was not up till 2 a.m. because I have a two-year-old that does not want to sleep, so I still went to bed at midnight, so I guess that counts, but I decided to save my eyeballs from watching the terrible football that is Iowa. Yeah, I, I, smart. I feel like most Iowa fans would like to do that, too. Oof. A business decision was made, and it was a good one. I'm I'm going to be honest. I didn't realize that Iowa went until, like, 3 in the morning until I woke up today and saw all the tweets about it and about how atrocious it was. So I'm glad that I missed that as well. It was entertaining, and then I gave myself permission to fall asleep, and I immediately passed out. You, you're, a, you're a good sig other, JSJ. You are. You're a good wife. Good wife. All right. As I mentioned, we are a quarter of the way through the season. For everyone except for TCU, who always has some weird-ass early idle week in week like two or three. I don't know. <laughs> week two ones are the – or week three ones and two ones are the weirdest thing in the world. I don't know. Like, let's open against an FCS foe and then not play a game. That'll prepare you. Anyways, so TCU is going to get a, a buy. They're going to get an idle week from us, and we will make bold statements about the Horned Frogs next week after we've seen them play three games. But for everyone else, three games down – current Big 12 teams and future. And so it's time to kind of look and say, this is who we think these teams are. This is who we, and look, I understand. 
things are going to change. Teams turn things around. They find new momentum. Injured players get healthy. Healthy players get injured. Sometimes you are rolling, and then all of a sudden, everything just veers off course. So what we say today may not be true three or four or five weeks from now, but with only 12 games in the regular season, you can't say, like, it's too early. There's not enough data. We need more information. At what point is there enough information? Four games in? Five games in? Six? Seven? At some point, we have to say, this is who you are. And I think this is a good spot to do so uh, for every team in the Big 12. I feel like we have seen enough at this point, even with FCS games on the schedule, to, to feel confident and make some bold statements as to who we think these teams are. Uh, we have uh, we've divvied this out so that everybody has a, a, an equal number of teams. That's why we brought Joe in here to help us out so that we didn't have too much homework. Uh, I mean, some of us, like Joe, like myself, have children. And, uh, you know, we can only do so much homework over the weekend when the kids are running. Some of us have lives. God. (laughs) Says the woman who stayed up till 3 a.m. to watch Iowa football. (laughs) I couldn't keep it together. (laughs) We all have our own struggles, okay? (laughs) Right. Nobody's nobody's perfect. No. Pobody nerfect. Uh, okay, let's start this off. I mean, we have to start out of the gate. We just let's just do this. And I have to start by uh, Andy. I have. I'm gonna. I owe you an apology. I think that's the right way to word it. Um, I straight up laughed at you the last time you said Kansas is gonna go to a bowl game this season. Now I know that that bold statement was born out of the request for bold statements for the upcoming season, all the ways backs in January. But it was a bold statement. It felt like one at the time. And I think even you at the time knew that it was. But here we sit. Here we sit with three and old Kansas Jayhawks with Duke coming up also undefeated and a three game homestead on the way. Three games away from bowl eligibility. Andy, I have to ask you the question. First off, I have to say apology. You, you may end up being right here. I, I may be wrong. I am a big enough man to admit when I may or may not be wrong. I have to do it on a daily basis, whether I want to or not. I am married. But Kansas, who are these Jayhawks, man? Who are they? Oh, my gosh. Like, seriously, honestly, I don't even know that I know who they are because I'm going to be <laughs> honest. I put together, you know, my best case scenario for the Jayhawks and, like, what the best season they could have. And that was them going eight and four and did not include a win over Houston. So the fact that they are three and zero at this point um, is it means that they're ahead of schedule for even me. Um, but you know, granted, again, this was that 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 was more an exercise of if I look at every single individual game, what's the best outcome I could see in that particular game? Um, and you know, I like this was not honestly the way I was expecting it to happen. I I was expecting Kansas to beat both obviously Tennessee Tech to begin the year and then West Virginia in the second week. Um, I, I thought it was possible that they could beat Houston, but it was not one that I was expecting them to get. And to do it in such a dominant fashion, I think that's what's most impressive. It's not that they are eking out wins here and there. They have an explosive offense led by arguably the best quarterback in the Big 12, at least through the first three weeks. Like, this is an absolutely insane turnaround for for the Kansas Jayhawks. This is an offense that I don't think Kansas fans could have imagined in their wildest dreams. Like this is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Look, they're led by offense. And I assume Kansas is the team that Emmanuel Ocho or Ocho is mentioning when he says the big doesn't play defense and pulls out that old playbook. Nice 
you're from the Big 12, man. Have a little bit more respect. Uh, this is a team led by offense. It, it looks like an old classic Big 12 team. And I don't mean that as like if they don't play defense. They they are playing decent defense. And we we said they upgraded that position around that side of the ball through the transfer portal. This is a high-powered, very fun, very exciting offense. I I did not expect to see an offensive turnaround like this in one off season for Kansas. And yet they are... They are one of the most fun teams in the Big 12 to watch. And I, I love how everybody's getting on board. I love the national media is getting on board. Uh, I love the tweet that I saw, and I wish I could give the person credit. I'm sorry that I can't, but I'll, if I can find it, I will. Um, national media, when you decide to talk about Kansas this season, when you decide to start jumping on the KU bandwagon, when you start to decide to flap those blue wings, uh, please make sure the conversation is not just in relation to Kansas not being able to hold on to their head coach because other jobs are open. Okay, if you want to talk Kansas football, talk Kansas football. Talk about how much fun they are. Talk about the offense. Talk about Jalen Daniels. But God, if you I start wonder what to, that's like. <laughs> if you start to utter the Lance Leipold to insert football job that is open, Nebraska, Arizona State, Auburn eventually, just keep on going. Keep on going by. Go talk about your CFP teams. Okay, we don't need you around, around these parts. Uh, okay, one down. We've got a few more to go. Joe, welcome in again, sir. Uh, let's let's talk about the team that Kansas just lost to this past weekend. A team that I think we all had really wait, wait, high wait, expectations. You mean, you mean the one that Kansas just destroyed this last weekend? You Sorry. just said that they lost to him. Philip, come Sorry, on. Sorry, beat. I I know it's a habit, okay? But you have to break those <laughs> habits. <laughs> Cross out your notes. Kansas lost to. Oh, no, crap. sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. Just it's just he pre-filled just... that portion of the notes for the season. Oh no, it's it's a it's a worksheet I've just had design built like ten years ago, and I've just been reusing for the last decade. Because why make something new? No, it's, it's uh, the yeah, one the part team. on the whiteboard he wrote in permanent marker. <laughs> I've done that before. That Kansas beat this past weekend a team we had high expectations for coming into the year, and now sits at one and two, uh, with two losses, two big tw- for or current Big Twelve and future conference opponents, the Houston Cougs. Joe, uh, who is this Houston team? What's going on with them, man? Can we? Can I just pass? <laughs> Do I have to talk about this? This is just. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know who what what Dana Holgerson is doing. I don't know what he was expecting this year. I think everybody expected them to be a, a legitimate team. And I think the biggest conversation point coming into the year was this is a team that has not a very good schedule, not a very strong schedule, and that means good things. But unfortunately for Houston, they just don't seem to address their flaws. Right now their offensive line which was a weakness last year, continues to be a weakness, and they didn't fix that, and Kansas exploited that. Your tackling has been atrocious uh, for the first three games, and that uh, reared its ugly head again. I mean, Jalen Daniels made Houston look like Temple, to be completely honest, and I, I don't know. It's just Dana's teams haven't been the most disciplined, and unfortunately that that continues and Kansas took advantage of that. And I'm not really surprised that they're having that kind of success because Lance Leipold has been great at finding diamonds in the rough and making them into better football players. And unfortunately right now it just feels like Houston is not really improving. They're just taking this talent and keeping it where it's at. And it, you know, Clayton tune did not look good. The defense did not look good. I mean, the the defensive line probably had its worst game 
if you ask my opinion. Uh, they weren't bad, but they had their worst game, and everybody else struggled because nobody else has really made an improvement. So I don't really know what this team is. I don't know where they go from here because, honestly, if you would have told me that Houston would be one and two heading into week four, I probably would have laughed. Um, and so at this point, uh, I don't know if Dana wants to tank again, but that certainly is on the table. Houston's defensive coordinator, who name just escaped me, so forgive me. Uh, Doug Belk. Thank you. I mean, that was a guy in the offseason that they ponied up a lot of money for to keep in Houston. He he got his name connected to a lot of other jobs. He's a hot commodity. Something could end up being a, a head coach at some point soon. And the defense, to me, has kind of been the issue. I mean, it, it did fairly well against UAP. It did fairly well against Texas Tech. But the passing defense for Houston so far this year, giving up an average of 282 yards through the air, that ranks 117th in FBS, of all of FBS. Uh, that's P5 and G5. It's not great. This defense has been what's really disappointing. Like I thought the offense might take a step back because of the running back they lost, but the defense has just not gotten the job done. And it it was very much on display against Kansas and their passing offense this last week. And I, again, we had high hopes for Houston. They could turn some things around, but this isn't a team where uh, it's a bunch of injuries and we're just waiting on guys to come back from what I can tell it. It just seems like a team that our our expectations for the pre- in the preseason were way off. And, and I know that you look at the schedule now, they had the success they had last year in part because the AAC was down. Tulane looks pretty good. I mean, they just knocked off Kansas State, which we'll talk about here in a minute. I mean, Cincinnati's still a solid program, even if they're not what they were. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, we'll talk UCF in a minute, but like the AAC looks better this year than it was last year. This might just end up being a very, very disappointing season for Houston if they don't get things turned around quick. Yeah, I I agree. I think that I think Doug Belk is still going to be a good coach. It's just things that he needs to harp on, which is tackling. Obviously, is the first one. The secondary, I don't really know because that's his group too. Um the tackling is very concerning, but it's just effort. It's like, it's guys that, especially in the secondary that decide that two hand touches what they want to play or that they want to light someone up with their shoulder. And a guy like Jalen Daniels just needs one cut and he's gone. So it's very frustrating for sure. There, the, the thing that you have to look at, if you're going to look at a positive thing is that these are all fixable things. Um, the fact that Derek Parrish is playing with essentially one hand and, dominating everybody and that defensive line is that good teams really just have to control them and then they're just like scopus and players and houston's secondary essentially look bad the thing that jumps out to me about houston is that they just seem like they're undisciplined um i mean like I, I think that really ties into you look at what they're doing on defense they're not in the right spot because it looks like they're just not paying as much attention as they need to you saw that spill over when you know houston wide receivers went after each other when things got tough like it just feels like this is a team that has no control over what they're doing in a lot of instances, and it's bleeding over into a lot of different places. I think if they can get their discipline back, and, and I don't know if Holgerson really has it in him to kind of clamp down on that, then I think that they can get a lot better a lot quicker. They just they just don't seem to be under control. Yeah, and they were undisciplined last year too. Like there were times where it was – I mean, Patrick Paul had issues off left tackle had issues with like he just wanted to to obliterate everybody. And then it matter if the whistle had blown like he was going to try to do it regardless. And 
this one is not, has not been something that's new for an issue for Houston. It's just that last year, I think they snuck up on people mm-hmm. and were just so talented. And this year it's like, well, they're just relying on that. And then the discipline is coming in really, really poor places. They're getting penalties in bad spots. They're missing assignments in bad spots as well. And it's really killing them this year. Uh, speaking of penalties, Houston, 131st in FBS in penalty yards per game. They average 91.33 penalty yards a game. Like I said, that is the last in all of FBS. So, I mean, heck, if you're going to give the opponent 91 yards a game, you're you're not really doing yourself any favors there. All right, let's move over to one of the other teams that Houston lost the season, Texas Tech. You know, coming into the year, this is a team where we said, it's it's a building process for Joey McGuire. It's a building process for this team. They're going to get somebody. They're going to pull off a couple upsets. Maybe they make a bowl game, but it should be at least fun to watch on offense. This should be a team that is a lot of fun to watch play that Zach Kitley office, whatever he he brings in. He sold Joe McGuire. I'm going to, I'm going to fit the offense to the personnel. They've got some talented tight ends. We're going to see some really, really fun and exciting offense in Lubbock. And thus far, they played some some pretty good defense so far, I would say, for Texas Tech. Uh, that defense has kept them in games for sure. And look, I don't know how good NC State's offense really is, but I mean, considering seven of those points came off of a pick six, you basically held them to, to 20. Houston got 30, but that was involving overtime and, you know, Murray State's an FCS team. So the defense has played fairly well. The offense has not been exciting. We have not gotten the exciting and fun offense that we were expecting from Zach Kitley. I mean, it's it's been all right. And I know that, of course, Texas Tech and quarterback injuries go together like, well, I, whatever food-related analogy you would like to make, uh, please feel, to, feel free to insert it here. I couldn't think of one on top of my head that was actually really good. Uh, I've been on a weird uh, French baguette kick. Don't ask me why. It just has. I know it's super weird, but it's so, it's so good. Um, <laughs> I'm getting a moving lot of on the things we Thank get you. to on this podcast. Seriously, <laughs> throw just throw as much in and see what sticks. This Texas Tech offense has not been exciting it's not been fun and maybe that's because tyler shett got injured again um i was really high on donovan smith i was really excited to see what he can do his completion percentage is up from last year up to 64.5 percent but seven touchdowns five interceptions so far this year uh, we saw them bring out baron morton and the, the last drive of the game against nc state when they were just trying to see if maybe they could pull off some sort of miracle he threw a he threw a pick that into the game <clears throat> maybe it's houston maybe it's nc state but i maybe it's donovan smith i don't know the quarterback issues continue to be an issue for Texas Tech until Tyler Shuck gets back. He should be back in a couple of weeks, if I recall correctly. But this is not a Texas Tech team that I thought we would see. I thought we'd see a fun offense. I thought we'd see something that was efficient and, and interesting, at least. And I still think Tech's going to pull off an upset here or there. And I, I still think they can be, they're going to have a game where you just don't want to have to deal with them. But for the most part, I know they're 2 and 1. They got the win over Houston. It's a great start to the year. But what they have on the schedule coming up, and with what we've seen so far, a bowl game is going to be hard to get to. Jamie, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? All Which right. one? Who would you like? Would you like to talk about Iowa State first? Would you like to talk about your team? Sure. That that's probably going to be the best one. Well, I'm I'm, just, I'm, I'm only funny. a little disappointed, Philip. <laughs> Do we save the best for last? Jamie, why don't you start with Oklahoma? Oh, 
Oklahoma. Yeah, all right, that's fair. Uh, look. Uh, Oklahoma, you're you're three and zero. Uh, you you damn well better be. I'm sorry. Have you looked at that schedule? That about as likely to lose to Kent State as you are Nebraska right now. My God, that was painful. For a minute and a half, I thought this might be a game, and then I woke up from the fever dream. And apparently, so did Nebraska. That's not the point. Uh, Oklahoma has insisted that they are the only reason. Mm. Oklahoma and Texas. Not the point. Not getting into that. Uh, the two teams leaving have insisted that they are the only reason why the Big 12 is ever relevant. And they're probably going to have, like, okay fodder to continue insisting that. Like, they're, there's a pretty good likelihood back in the championship game this year but here's the thing i could be completely wrong because they haven't faced anyone halfway decent this year like they've looked pretty good they've put up good numbers and so is it likely that that'll translate to the rest of the season yeah you know we we know the kind of infrastructure they have in place there we know the names they have on the team but when you don't – and look, like putting Nebraska on your schedule is basically giving yourself a cupcake that's masquerading as a muffin. Like you, you're pretending that it's a really good schedule and that, hey, you know, we're trying to challenge ourselves a little bit in this non-con. But like you know, you know where they're at. You know what the situation is there. Don't pretend. Like, don't act coy. All that to say, like, they've done what they're supposed to do. They probably will continue to do so. But there's also a chance that they drop one down the line that they shouldn't because they didn't get challenged in the non-con. And I very much believe that having to at least expend a bit of effort in those first couple games having to adjust even a tiny bit at some point is valuable i would say this for oklahoma um leading the nation in total team tackles for loss at 32 one more than washington state uh one more and two more than oklahoma state through three games the defense has played well again to the point the schedule is it's better than Michigan's. We can all agree to that. Like no one's, no one's does had. Does that a, even mean anything? Joe, is, Joe does mean. not agree. I Come mean, on, Nebraska's pretty garbage. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they'd beat Colorado State right now. So I don't know. Well, Penn I mean, State gave Oklahoma a game for more than a half. So given that I'm apparently a glutton for punishment with the team that I've been watching, let's let me see Nebraska. And, Colorado, you know, like nobody wants to hurt my eyes more. Come on, like look, I'd watch that. I understand you have to watch a lot more Iowa football than you really want to, but that doesn't mean put it on two a.m. Jamie's watching. Yes, that's it. That's the ticket. Someone will finally wise up at some point and make the Sicko Bowl and put the two worst P five teams in it at the end of each year and is, is that going to be more people sicko, will watch it than you yeah, think is is that going to be the sicko bowl that's presented by the sickos committee 
on Twitter. Oh, I, I love yeah. to watch what they put together. It's hilarious. I would yes. I would donate to the fundraiser exactly. to convince the teams to participate despite the absolute slap to the face. Oh, no slap to the face. Like you'd just be happy to play. Like that's a reward. You get to practice more. <clears throat> Sure. Uh, I'm just happy we don't have to hype up Alex Grinch anymore. I think he's so overrated. What? Come on. They're, they're averaging like eight turnover <laughs> interceptions a game at USC right now. That's that's a sustainable model of, of defense. Yeah, and if Jake Hayner didn't get hurt, they would have allowed 38 points last night. So, I don't know. I'm, I was so sick of everybody saying, oh, Alex Grinch is like the next Brent Venables, like this elite defensive mind. And then you saw games where like, where's this defense? Like, what are they doing? So I think that if I guess if you want to have a one positive out of Oklahoma's week schedule is that they're essentially doing what they need to do, which is like meets expectations. But that's what you kind of expect going into a schedule like this, because as you remember last year, you weren't exactly exactly dominating nebraska so I, I think this is at least a step up from what we saw last year oklahoma's grade meets expectations hey i mean people have high expectations for you sorry if that's a bad thing uh you know what always exceeds expectations home field apparel the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will ever find with a beautiful an amazing collection for every single current and future Big 12 school. So let's say you're a Kansas Jayhawk and you are all in on football season right now and actually maybe going to pay attention to it once basketball season starts. And you're like, I need some KU gear. I need I need some more Kansas gear. I need that in my life. They have an incredible collection of Kansas t-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies with great throwback logos. You have a national championship tee from, from this past year. You have a retro I am a Jayhawk shirt, which is freaking awesome. You have a classic Jayhawk basketball script tee that is simple, clean, and freaking awesome. I, I have to rock my uh, my Wave of the Wheat shirt this weekend. Maybe I'll wear it. Uh, I don't know. I wore my uh, K-State shirt last Saturday and K-State lost. So uh, Yeah, Philip, you can just not wear that one for that, for this week, okay? All right. I'll pull out the marching size shirt. That'll that'll work. <laughs> no, 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 no. Marching Psy is yeah. from the next week after that. Oh, so. when it's 4-0 Iowa State versus 4-0 Kansas. On game day. I, this yeah, is not a, exactly. They're going to Florida, Tennessee. Uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. That is literally Ooh. the worst decision that they possibly could have made. They Florida should have lost We're not surprised, USA. are we? Is anybody no. surprised by that? Game day no. is the most predictable show of all time, and that's just one of the worst things about that show. I thought they might go to Wake Forest Clemson. I did not think they'd go to Florida, who should be one and two versus Tennessee. Anyways, we've we've lost the track here. Promo code network. This is 12. an SEC podcast now. So. <laughs> N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. Joe, your invitation can't be removed. No, no. It, it's, uh, it's actually an anti-SEC <laughs> podcast. We just bash on the SEC as much as possible. So. <laughs> And Promo the Big Ten and the ACC Pack exactly. Twelve, except the schools we want to join us. Anyways, anyway, promo, uh, promo code, code <laughs> Network Twelve gets you fifteen percent off your first order. Uh, go there now, buy away. You won't buy just one thing, so don't. Just remember the promo code. You want to save fifteen percent? I know you want to do. Go shop. Remember to follow the good brand on Twitter and be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel all football season long. Hey. 
through for the 2022 season. It's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. All right, Andy. Texas got a little bit of a scare from UTSA on Saturday. Was down seventeen to seven, but luckily they had a nice pick six. And Bijan Robinson's better than a lot of players. Everybody. Pretty much everybody on UTSA's roster and most uh, players just, in the country. Buddy, just everybody. <laughs> uh, so Texas, despite having a hobbled Hudson card, were able to get the uh, get the win and the cover. Damn it, uh, Andy. Who are the Texas Longhorns? Uh, right now, the Texas Longhorns are a defensive team. Um, I mean, yes, you also have Bijan Robinson, but Texas right now, if they're going to win before Quinn Ewers comes back, it's going to be because of their defense. And I think you actually saw that, you know, in this last game as well, because when the defense clamped down is when Bijan was really able to start get going. Um, you know, Texas looked really bad before their defense really turned it on and was able to get them to be able to come back against UTSA. I am a little worried too about Texas just because you look at a UTSA team, you know, that played three overtimes in their first week, um, you know, and, and then had a, a somewhat difficult game last week. The, the, you could tell the UTSA was tired that they wore out as you went into the second half. I don't know that big 12 teams are going to wear out as much as a team like that did. So I'm still a little bit, I guess, uncertain what we're going to get from Texas before Quinn Ewers comes back. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to rely solely on Bijan to be able to be the entire offense for them and expect to win a lot of games in the Big 12. We have seen way too many times where Big 12 teams have to have more dynamic offenses because the defenses are getting a lot better. So um, I'm still kind of reserving a little bit of judgment, but right now Texas is a defensive team. Like they are, they are by far one of the better defenses, I think, so far in the first three weeks of the, of the season in the entire Big 12. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up or if they were just lucky and got, you know, an Alabama team that just, for whatever reason, forgot how to actually execute football, uh, you know, without having all kinds of penalties and problems, um, or if they really are that good of a defensive team. Yeah, I said it after the performance against Alabama. Like, we've seen them do that before. I need to see it for two more weeks. I would call the performance against UTSA, despite getting down, I would call it impressive. Again, thanks to a pick six and Bijan Robinson being awesome, uh, Texas was able to get the win. We'll see how they look against Texas Tech this coming weekend. But I do think this is a good Texas team. We're going to move them up in our power rankings a little bit. We'll have that posted on Instagram this week. I'll get it on Twitter afterwards. Uh, Joe. UCF. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's literally what you said about Houston, too. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a rough week for my teams here. Yeah, it, it, they got the win over uh, F, one of the Florida uh, internationals. Uh, or Florida Atlantic. Or Atlantic. Yeah, it's one of those, one of those other Florida. Florida-ish. Well, it's not a directional. Pacific, Indian, whatever, you know. Yeah, one of those one oceans. Of, yeah, one of the Florida ocean schools. Um, UCF. A similar disappointing start to the season, especially that Louisville loss. Uh, who is UCF? 
Are you going to ask me that for every team? Because I don't know. I don't know with any of these teams. Uh, UCF uh, is a team with a lot of transfers trying to really find some chemistry, and they just haven't done that yet. Um, yes, they did win. They won 40 to 14. It was 16 to 14 at halftime. I was not impressed at halftime. They obviously, there's a reason you play four quarters and they pulled it out. John Rice Plumley is phenomenal. Um, so to all the people who told me that Mikey Keene was going to be better than him, um, I'll take my apologies now, uh, because he is clearly the best player on that team. He is, is the, the guy for the job. He, he's perfect for what Gus Malzahn wants to do. Um, if they stop trying to make him this pocket passer that he's not going to be, that would be phenomenal. Uh, same with, I know this is not an ACC podcast, but if, if Louisville could stop trying to make Malik Cunningham into what Arizona tried to do to Khalil Tate um, and make him throw the ball 40 times a game, uh, that would be phenomenal. That'd be great. So stop making guys into something they're not, and they'll be just fine. Uh, I think UCF has some concerns defensively. Uh, I that they're they at times are, are pretty undisciplined, which allows some big plays. Uh, that kind of stuff is going to hurt them when they play uh, a good offense. Um, now that being said, the AAC, fortunately or unfortunately, is a little bit of a mess right now. Uh, the fact that uh, Tulane is the best team is maybe concerning, considering they went two and ten last year. But uh, you know, it's week three, so people have time to figure things out. But UCF can be really explosive as long as they don't limit themselves. And if their de defense can actually play their assignments well, then they're probably going to have a good chance of winning it all or in the AAC. But right now, I think they just have some major things to figure out. Yeah, really interested to see. I think I that Louisville game was shocking. I think Louisville kind of forced John Rice Plumley to do the things that John Rice Plumley doesn't do as well so if he's able to be himself UCF will have success offensively if not I mean you saw against Louisville that offense can't do diddly squat I think is the the, the scientific term for it uh okay is it my turn I forget the order I went in did I go Jamie next no you me? went you next was... so what's your next one come on okay. Philip. all right hey you know I do this on the pigs pod too I always forget what order I was again Baylor Bears Baylor Bears are a two and one. Have a close but disappointing loss to a BYU team that may not be as good as we thought they were. That was on the road. Uh, I am, I am buying more from Baylor. And look, I know it's Texas State, and I I understand that there's not a whole lot separating Texas State from an FCS team. There's there's not. They would lose to a lot of FCS teams. But. I did finally see some offense from Baylor, which we hadn't really been seeing all that much from through the first two games of the season. An offense that I thought looked pretty solid, looked sound. Blake Shapin playing fairly well in that game. Again, I understand the giant glacier-sized piece of salt here that we're talking about in the opponent that was Texas State. But I think this is a Baylor team that is really really trying to figure some things out after all the stuff they lost from last year. It's hard to replace all of your skill pieces at wide receiver and running back. It's hard to replace the the fantastic talent that they had on the defensive side of the ball. And they're still working through that. It's hard to replace. I, I'm very high on Blake Shapin, I think. But I think everything for Baylor is 
They're just going to keep getting better. They're just going to keep looking better. They're just going to keep playing better. I am I am still on this Baylor team as one that is going to continue to progress because through three weeks, I think I've seen that. I think I've seen progression through three weeks. Now, big question for them remains, the running game. How good is it going to be? As far as EPA poor rush goes, uh, the Baylor Bears... Hold on. I just had it and I reset. Not as bad as I thought it was. It's 37th. It's a rushing game that I'm a little bit concerned about because the running backs haven't just really stood out all that well. It's been a running back by committee and they don't seem to have a stud go-to guy. And if that's fine, if they can continue to run a committee style rushing attack, which is not something we usually see be all that effective in college, except for when you've got a bunch of guys, so you have to run it by committee. But if Baylor can make it work, they'll make it work. I, I'm, I buy this Baylor team still. I'm, I'm not selling stock on them. I think they're just going to continue to get better through the season. But I do think it's a team that preseason expectations of number one in the Big 12. I think you can set those aside. I think that's Oklahoma right now. But I still buy this Baylor team. I would be worried, though. I mean, Blake Shapin, I mean, yeah, I think the potential for him is there. But he has not really been playing that well. He he had significant problems against BYU. You look at what he did in this game against Texas State, and I would have expected him to have a better passing game. I understand that the running game was playing fairly well, but this was a this this was a a game that I had circled as a like this is going to be the Blake Shape and come out party where he can really kind of sling the ball around wherever he wants, and he's going to get himself rolling and get rolling into Big Twelve play. I don't know that he's done that, and looking at the way that he played, I don't know if it's he still needs to develop or if things just aren't clicking right now with receivers or what's going on. But I would be really worried if I'm a Baylor fan about the potential for Blake Shapin going up against an Iowa State defense that is still pretty good, even though they're a little bit unproven. Um, and then Oklahoma State, which has a really good defense as well. Like you're you're facing two really good defenses or at least two defenses we expect are really good coming up the next two weeks. So he's going to have to step it up against those two teams or Baylor might find themselves in an early hole in the Big 12 race because of Shapin's play. I'll say this for a knock on Shapin. He's been effective on the short passing game, but if you're looking for a, a true deep passing game, like really getting downfield, he's been all right. Been all right. Been okay. 10 plus yards, completions, 22. Uh, 20 plus yards, so we'll see if that changes or if, if they can just have a bit by bit by bit down the field from a passing attack and, and see if that'll work for Baylor for all season. But it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, okay, so Jamie. Now I'm going to make you save Iowa State. Kansas State, a team that many, myself included, were very high on coming into the season. Had, had big expectations, big 12 title game or bust kind of stuff. Uh, and yet now they sit here. They've got a loss to Tulane at home, a game in which the offense was oof, woof, bad. Uh, tell me about Kansas State. Who are they? Are we buying them? Are we selling them? What are we doing here? Look, I know that there is generally some animosity between our two fan bases, right? Iowa State and K-State. I don't jump in on that. I'm, I like to think that I am someone that most people can get along with. 
I'm kind of mean to some teams. K-State, not one of them. Uh, so I'm not here to, to start a roast, okay? If I'd gotten a, another team or two, perhaps. But I'm just here to say I get it, okay? I get it. I understand what it's like to look at what you've got on your roster, to look at what you've got and say, man, we are being disrespected. You're telling me that you're setting our win total at what? Six and a half, seven, maybe preseason. With what we've got back, with what we did this year, you're telling me that that's what we're doing? You're looking at Adrian Martinez's stats and you're saying, well, that was at Nebraska, man. We could do better than that. Maybe you can. Still could. You might not. People might have just been right. And and look, look, I'm I'm not saying that it's over, but the 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 title or bust attitude that was kind of present amongst subsets of the fan base prior to the season is looking less realistic. I it there just haven't been those flashes from people arguably beyond Deuce Vaughn to justify that assertion, that goal. And so they'll, pro- I mean, it, it's, it's almost the opposite of what I said with OU in that they'll probably pick one up that looks like they should you know hell maybe they could go out there and catch OU off guard I don't know that's not a prediction that's maybe hyperbole I don't know but I (laughs) I just feel like they look like a team that is going to be fairly similar to last year and that they'll finish in the middle to upper-ish half of the conference they'll probably go to a bowl game and depending on what bowl game and their opponent, maybe they look really good. Maybe they don't look great. There's just no part of their team, no part of their overall identity that is dominant nor terrifying in general. And I think they're on a good path, you know, continue to improve. This just isn't the year that it's going to be, you know, everything they've ever wanted. I mean, I feel like I have to jump in here, and I'll, I'll be as nice as I possibly can. Look, this last really, week really. – okay, no, no. This last week, I did my power rankings over Blue Wings Rising, and I put Kansas State at number one because they had been playing the best, I think, of any team in the Big 12 to this point. But the one thing I pointed out was I still didn't believe in Adrian Martinez and his ability to step up and to make the plays if Deuce Vaughn wasn't running for 150 yards. He didn't rush for 150 yards in this game. He only got 81 on 20 carries. The defense, you know, played fairly well in this game still, but the offense did them absolutely no favors. And a lot of that was that Adrian Martinez just could not find that spark. And so I was worried about, for a Kansas State team, if they needed Adrian Martinez to be the guy to drive them, would he be able to actually step up and do it? 
And this was an example of him not being able to do it. And that's what I was worried about. That's why I, you know, did not honestly think that K-State was going to have as good of a year as a lot of people thought they were they were potentially going to have because you were going to have these games where Adrian Martinez was just was going to have to be the guy and he just wasn't able to do it. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're banking on Adrian Martinez to be your savior, like that's a problem. Now, if you're if this was his like second year, then, you know, you have the issues that he had in Nebraska and then you bring him in, then maybe you think, oh, we can develop him into something. But he's a former three year starter that has a ton of issues. He has ball security issues, decision making issues, and you're bringing him in to run an offense that is to some people, a quarterback away from being a contender in the big 12, Adrian Martinez just isn't that guy. And when you get into a game that's tight, we know that he's not capable of taking over that game and, and making big plays. We, we just seen that at Nebraska and it's going to continue. You just don't change a guy like that in a handful of games. Now Tulane props to them. They were not letting anything go outside tackles their defense is i think super underrated but again it comes down to you know we know that kansas state's defense is going to be good it just comes down to the offense and when it comes down to it you you need someone to make a big play and the only guy that you can get the ball to and make that happen is deuce vaughn and when you're bottled getting him bottled up there's not really much that you can do Although maybe this loss is a good thing because then I'm pretty sure that confirms that they're going to be Oklahoma because no one's going to think they're going to be Oklahoma. So therefore they will, which is exactly where Kansas state wants to be because every year they come into the year with high expectations, they underperform. But as soon as everybody's like, ah, oh, Kansas state middle of the pack, that's when they do well. So I think this is actually a chess, not checkers move. They're trying to lose so that they can beat Oklahoma later. That's what they're doing. I'm on to them. Like I said, relatable. Um, oh man, that's that's some good stuff. Kansas State, uh, passing offense, EPA ninety seventh in the country. Uh, as I mentioned, Martinez QBR from the game into against Tulane forty one point three. His best was Missouri, which is fifty three. His QBR has not been great. They don't ask him to do a lot. They don't. He hasn't thrown an interception. The game against Tulane was his first passing touchdown on the season. They don't ask him to do a whole lot with his arm. But I think Tulane kind of showed you the recipe for how to beat Kansas State. Keep everything inside. Don't let Deuce get loose on the outside and force Martinez to beat you. Kansas State, here's the, here's the stat that's just like, what the heck? Kansas State was 3-for-20 on third and fourth down attempts against Tulane. I... Not like Tulane wasn't much better. They were two of 13 on third and fourth down attempts, but three of 20 on third and fourth down. And a lot of their third downs were long. The offense was... The hesitation was like, you know, they had four interceptions against Missouri, and maybe that helped boost the offense. Maybe week one, they just, they turned it off. Man, that was... That was bad. You mustered 10 points against Tulane. That's just, this is bad. Um... This is still a good team. I think the defense is really good. I do think Kansas State's defense is solid. It's going to keep them in pretty much every game. They'll probably have a game where the opposing offense figures things out and just kind of blows them out because their offense can't keep up. But if they can keep games close, they'll stay in every game this season because that defense is very, very good. Uh, all right, we got uh, four more teams to get to. 
And we're going to do that when we come back. Boom. Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. Are you a parent listening to this podcast with a child at home, either in middle school or high school, already thinking about college planning, scholarships, or dreaming of them playing sports in college? Do you know a high school or middle school athlete who wants to go and play in college? Whether it's D1, D2, D3, or just they're not even sure they just want to keep playing during college. Well, let us introduce you to one of our friends of the podcast and a company who is an expert in the world of college recruiting, Recruit Route. Led by our friend Brian Bedford, a 25-year veteran of recruiting and former D1 recruiting director, Recruit Route offers a full suite of offerings to help student-athletes, parents, and high school coaches be better educated and empowered to successfully navigate the college recruiting process. Check out our friends at recruit-route.com. That's recruit-route.com. Don't forget, run your route in recruiting with Recruit Route. Andy, buddy. Uh... West Virginia got their first win of the season against an FCS opponent. Now they get to go on the road this coming week. They'll talk about, they're going to face Virginia Tech. We'll probably talk about that game coming up in a bit. West Virginia, one and two. Not a great start for Neil Brown. Andy, who is, who is this West Virginia team? What are they? Yeah, I, this is a team that I think is just, they're, they're literally right there on like the knife's edge, right? Because... They are one and two, but just a couple things flip really quickly. And you could make the argument that they honestly could be three and oh or two and one fairly easily. The problem is it's the little things that have gotten to them. And it's and it's again, we're 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 back to something similar to Houston. It's the discipline. Um, you know, they have been a very highly penalized team. They have had a lot of issues, I think, just continuing throughout the course of the game to to stay on track with what they need to do. And so I, I think that they're a talented team. I do. I really think that JT Daniels is a is really good for their offensive system. The problem has been that the offensive line, you know, misses a block here or there. Um, there has been a lot of penalties as you get to the end of the game. And that's really what's defined this team so far is that they're not, they don't have nearly the depth. I think that, that they expected that they would have. And, and a lot of that is a lot of guys that left, you know, during the off season. Um, so they just have not been able to hold on at the end of the game. They've, they wore down against Kansas. They wore down against Pittsburgh and started making a lot of mistakes at the end of the game. So they are not a team that is going to play well. I think in a lot of the dog fights that you might have with defensive games. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how many more wins are able to get. I think it's fairly certain that, you know, if, if Neil Brown didn't have the huge buyout, he probably would already be gone, which means that the fact that he has that, you know, $16 million buyout, um, is probably keeping him employed right now. 
and giving him an opportunity to try to at least get it turned around and make it a respectable season. But they have a lot of work ahead of them. I think I think Kansas being as good as they are this year so far, you know, kind of put them back on their heels quite a bit. They have to find some spots, I think, here in the Big 12 to be able to get some wins to be able to improve the outlook that they have and potentially, you know, allow Neil Brown to keep his job. I think that West Virginia needs to be banned from recruiting any sort of running back because they're, they need, they basically have it in their wide receivers and tight ends. So what's the point of recruiting running backs? If you're just going to have a wide receiver do all the work anyway. So, you know, (laughs) CJ Donaldson is a stud. Tavon Austin was really good. So like, let's just, it's one less position that you have to recruit and you can recruit more receivers. So if you want to go air raid one year, you an air raid team. And if you're like, Hey, we need running back. Be like, Oh, take the six, five, 220 pound dude that can run probably a four, four that you're going to run the ball. You're good. Well, it's weird too. I mean, because Tony Mathis is a great running back and they use him, but they, I don't know that they necessarily set him up for success. There's a lot of running that they try to do in between the, in between the tackles that they're not necessarily blocking correctly for. Um, and when you have as many issues all, along that offensive line, like I, I think that's been their big problem is just the offensive line. And and I know I had Brandon Phoenix over on the uh, over doing the preview for that game. And he was talking about the offensive line coach Matt Moore that, uh, you know, if, if he doesn't get stuff turned around pretty quickly, that he should be gone because he was a guy that was expected to turn their offensive line into something that would be you know really good for them. And it's been very disappointing. I said coming into the season that West Virginia defense would take a big step back and you hope the offense could take a big enough step forward to account for it. And West Virginia fans got all up in my mentions and all mad at me about, no, you got all these guys who are, who are they're going to be better than the guys that enter the portal. And did you see what we did in the transfer portal? Total defensive EPA for West Virginia through three games ranks 109th in the country. Thank you to Parker for updating that right before the podcast when I texted him. Hey, when do you when do you probably tonight? I'm like, cool, thanks, man. The offensive line is not living up to what I thought it would. I thought it would be better. It has not been great. Uh, the defense has been bad. Hoping everyone will just step up and bringing in a bunch of nice players from FCS. Like you can bring a couple of FCS guys in. You can't bring in a bunch of FCS guys. But like, they're going to be as good as the P five players we lost. Like if they were, then they would have been in the P five. They wouldn't all be playing in FCS. As, as a Kansas fan, I am well, like very familiar with the hope that everybody gets better going into next year strategy. Unfortunately, it doesn't yeah. work very well. Do you hear how confident he was saying as a Kansas fan, there, there was no hesitation this year. <laughs> Last year had been like, as a as a Kansas fan, uh, I just like to say this year he's like, as a Kansas fan, listen here, people. Last year was as someone who covers Kansas. This former <laughs> former professional. As someone who may or may not be affiliated year, with it's, Kansas. It's more legit to say as someone who covers <laughs> Kansas. Hey, uh, now, Cal- come hey, on. You know? You gotta watch that. I'm saying it's the next. I level. have never shied away from the fact that I am a Kansas football fan. Okay? <laughs> we know. Yeah, Jay. exactly. We know. <laughs> I suffered that's, enough. That's what every that Kansas fan is saying right wear now. That as, with a badge of pride. So we found the one. I'll say this now: I'm taking West Virginia this week because Virginia Tech's offense is. Oh gosh, Virginia Tech's man. awful. Oh man, I want. Can we get Virginia Tech first Iowa and first to three wins? Can we just end their seasons now and let everybody not suffer? Or is that that not an game option? might go to 3 a.m. and there wouldn't be any lightning delay? 
<laughs> that game were 3 a.m. because yeah, yeah exactly because, because, because no one nobody, could score. It would it would end in the 18th overtime after everybody collapses from exhaustion and the guy is like limping across the goal line. There was a there was a picture from the ending of Iowa's game because security just wasn't there anymore, so people were just wandering in. <laughs> after security told people that hey they're canceling the game, you should go home. Apparently, security legit just did because someone was walking their dog and just walked in to watch the game, and one of the top replies was "put the dog in." So what I'm trying to get at is Airbud touchdown to end that game. I mean, whatever you can do to make Iowa football interesting. Uh, Joe, Cincinnati, you got you more excited about Cincinnati Bearcats? Uh, a team yeah, a that... A little bit, a little bit. Look, I know they had a rough week one, but I... I And I know this was a rivalry game, but I I believe in Cincinnati, and I believe what Fickle's building, and I know that they lost a lot from last year. But I thought this was a team that should probably be the favorite to repeat. And I still feel pretty confident that looking around the rest of the AAC, I know Tulane looks pretty good, but I still feel pretty confident feeling like Cincinnati could very much and should probably repeat this year. Yeah, this is, I mean, despite their record not being the best, this, this is the best team in the AAC. This is a team that honestly could have beaten Arkansas on the road. I mean, you're talking about Ben Bryant missed three or four deep balls where his wide receivers cooked Arkansas's defensive backs. So you're talking about if he can have one of those, that's a completely different game. This is a team that, I mean, look, this is a team that lost a ton of talent to the NFL draft. So you're not going to just, this isn't Alabama, or maybe that's not a good example anymore because they struggled against Texas, but it, this isn't Georgia. You're not going to just lose all that talent and continue you dominating at at the clip that those kinds of teams are there were going to be uh, some struggles early on there is going to be a learning curve for all of this these new players that have never started before and you have a new quarterback this isn't Desmond Ritter who started for four years it's Ben Bryant who is familiar with the program but not exactly a, a, a veteran on the Cincinnati roster even though he had the experience at Eastern Michigan I think that this team to me is the most complete team in the conference. And I feel pretty confident saying that is by quite a bit of a, of a margin. I think that everybody has certain ceilings that we've seen, but their floors are lower than Cincinnati's are. And that's because Luke Fickle's building something that is, is a model of consistency in this conference. It's not, they don't have the ebbs and flows that the other teams do. Their roller coaster, as I like to say, is pretty lame, which is exactly what you want. Um, so it's, it's one of those teams that is going to, uh, you know, keep their, their floor pretty high, uh, but also has the potential to see their ceiling be, be high as well. And, you know, yesterday wasn't exactly a dominant performance by them. I think Miami, Ohio pulled out some punches that Cincinnati wasn't expecting, but in the end, Cincinnati won by a pretty comfortable margin. And to me, I think that because their floor is so high, yeah, this is the best team in the conference, even though they don't have the best record. Yeah, that's an out-of-conference uh, kind of rivalry in-state game. That's I've, I've had multiple Cincinnati fans after we kind of mentioned, like, uh-oh, what's going on here early? Say that, like, look, this is, these are two teams that tend to play close games. It just is what it is. I get it. Early season, non-con, in-state rivalry, the the, you know, the lesser team in the case of Miami of Ohio, they're going to get up for it. 
they're going to get up for it. Not only that, but they were at home. And it's not yeah. like Miami of Ohio is a like a horrible team or anything like that. They were playing at the Bengals stadium. Yeah. I was going to say they actually played it at the Bengals oh, stadium. Oh, you're right. I'm plays. sorry. They were the home team, but you're right. It was not at home. So. Still, yeah. still technically a home game, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm excited to watch Cincinnati. And I do think, I think Cincinnati, man, it's hard to say, like, this is the team that will show up in the Big 12 and be ready to, to, to be the best when they get here. I think the answer is Cincinnati, but BYU, it's one of those two. At this point, it's one of those two because UCF's got issues. Houston's got issues. I think it's Cincinnati or BYU. Uh, okay. I'm going to talk a little OSU for a minute. Look, I don't know the who the hell this OSU. team is. Oh, wait. Oh, man. No no lowercase t. Uh, the it, Oklahoma State University. Yes, thank you. Uh, look, don't get me wrong. I enjoy Oregon State and the fun black and white that they've got. Or I'm sorry, black and white. Orange and black. Good Lord. It's a long day. I've Come built on, a lot of things from Ikea the last two days. Black and white. This all isn't right. Iowa State. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just all black. There's no white. Just all black. Just black. Uh, oh, my God. This is so off. I'm just. All right. Oklahoma State. Going off the rails. That's our specialty. This team is somewhere between what we saw against Central Michigan, which is an offensive explosion. The the defense let a bunch of stuff happen in the second half, and then a much, much improved performance against Arizona State. And then last week we got this week at UAPB, which told us nothing because they were up 28 nothing after one. Spencer Sanders bailed out early in the second quarter, and we saw a lot of Gunnar Gundy. Didn't mean a whole lot. Look, they are not what they were on defense. They're not, and that's to be expected. It's hard to think that you're going to have a defense that good with everything that they lost from last year. It's not a, it's not a fair expectation, but they're still quite good against the run. 23rd and EPA defense against the rush. Uh, like we mentioned tackles for loss tied for second most or third most like this is still a solid defensive team, but it is, I think a little bit more of you're going to get burned. some. you're going to make, you're going to go after the quarterback. You're going to go after the tackle loss, what they're doing with the, with the defensive ends, and the defensive line playing well, the defensive backfield, they're still growing. They're young. That's okay. Offensively Spencer Sanders is who he is, but Right now, he's playing the best I think he's played in his career to start the season. Look, through these first three games, he has accounted for 13 total touchdowns. That's both through the air and on the ground. It took him seven games to do that last year. He didn't do that in 2020 until the bowl game against Miami. I think he's playing the best football he's played. It started in the second half against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl last year, and he's kept it going. Now look, he had an interception against Arizona State. He had a couple golf balls that probably should have been picked off against Arizona State. That's what you're going to get with Spencer Sanders. It just is who he is. And we've talked about that. Like, that's that's what you're going to get. And he's going to have a game this season where OSU will probably lose because he'll turn the ball over three times. Wait, Hopefully. is this for 2021, 2020? What year are we Spencer Sanders is who he is. But I do think, I'll say this. Similar to West Virginia, what I said was, Oklahoma State's defense is going to take a step back. Can the offense take a big enough step forward to counter that for Oklahoma State to be able to get back to Arlington? I'm still not sure they're going to get back to Arlington, though the Big 12 does seem fairly wide open with everything that's going on. 
But I do think Spencer Sanders has taken a step forward. He is who he is, but that does not mean that he has not gotten better. That does not mean that he has not improved as a player and makes smarter decisions. But he's, it's any anybody who is a bit of a gunslinger, you know you're going to get turnovers. They're going to make plays. You're just like, but I've, it has been mentioned many times, he bounces back better than he used to. He bounces back faster than he used to. It doesn't take him a whole quarter to get over the fact that he just threw a pick, which I think led to multiple why he had so many games his freshman and sophomore year where he'd have an inter- turnover and then have, here's a couple more. Have, have a few more because he couldn't get over the first one the first time. I think he's playing better. I do think he is. I don't think the defense is as bad as it looked at the second half of week one. Uh, I don't think the offense is quite as high-powered as it looked at the first half of week one. But I do think this is an Oklahoma State team that, look, experienced quarterback comes back from Mike Gundy. I expect them to win nine games. Three and zero to start, I'm not changing that expectation. All right, Jamie. We saved the best for last for you. Tell me about your uh, tell me about your Cyclones three games in. Three and oh. First time ever under Matt Campbell. The key. the key to beating Iowa State. Not even it's not even in the stadium. You must burn down the pedestrian bridge because they have not lost and they will never again lose as long as that marvel of modern engineering stands. And you book that. On a different note, um, I haven't joined that cult, uh, but I appreciate it for what it is. Um, no, it's, you, you come in with a lot of question marks and you, you still have quite a few, but you've got some people who are performing well, you know, you, you've got quite a few people who you looked at and, and had them on the short list of, hey, you know, they, they, they could do a little something and you've got them, you've got people doing a little something. You've got, uh, you've got Silas out there scoring the, the second shortest touchdown in however many decades you know, five, eight out there running circles around people. You've got uh, potentially Cartivius Norton coming back against Baylor. You've got Jake Remsburg potentially coming back against Baylor. You've got Hunter Decker showing that he legitimately has an arm and you've got the defense out there doing the things that the defense is supposed to do. On the other hand, you still have special teams issues. You still have some kicking issues, you know? And so it basically comes down to, are they going to improve? Are they going to develop? You've got a lot of guys put into new and different situations. You've got a lot of young people on the team there. And so you you think we're we're a little ahead of where we would hope to be uh, because you come out 3-0, and something that Campbell hadn't done yet. And then you say, all right, but that's... Uh, that's what we've done so far. You've got to keep getting better. And that's the message he's been given to the media, um, which is obviously encouraging, but it's the thing you kind of have to say as a coach. Um, so, so there's still a lot of things that need to be adjusted. Um, you, you, you aren't guaranteed to be above expectations just because you go three and zero to start the year when you're heading into a conference as difficult as 12. But I think the ceiling is maybe just a touch higher than people were were putting out there before the season um but that doesn't mean that the floor has raised all that 
much either. You really have to show that you're capable of shoring up those errors as well as adjusting on the fly because the Big 12 is really, really difficult and a lot of those questions are going to be answered against Baylor. So uh, I would love to come out here and just pound my chest and very legitimately say that ISU is never losing another game. They're probably going to lose a game this year, maybe more than one. Uh, but I like what I've seen. I think it's encouraging for this year. I think it's encouraging for the future as well. Iowa State fans, I haven't seen anyone this obsessed with a bridge since Colonel Nicholson. And if you understand that reference, you can DM us at 1012network on Twitter and I will send you a koozie because you are going down some film nerd shit like I like. So uh, I've had that joke in the pocket. I know it's not a good joke unless you actually understand it. National media is mean to us. They tried or and just general people are mean to us and say, oh, you have a edge and you think it's cool. So we said, no, we don't think it's cool. We think it's the best thing that's ever existed on this planet. So screw you. Hey, I don't, whatever your kink is, it's fine. I don't judge. Okay. Y'all, y'all love a good Everyone's obsessed with Kansas because they sucked and now they're decent. Iowa State did the same shit and they do not care. They say, Iowa State, we do not like you. Go back to the cornfields. Now, wait a minute. People were talking about Iowa State and Matt Campbell when he, again, it was the novelty of it. When he was, when they were doing really well, fresh off of about being actually horrible. About how he's going to leave. Now yeah. they've seen yeah. that happen. Okay, and it took. And so now they're on the. And it took now all they're two on weeks about, for people to start talking about Lance Leipold to Nebraska. Lance Leipold to but everywhere. there's people who aren't doing that. There's people who are not just doing that. They're making a concerted effort to point that out. And say, hey, maybe don't do that. And so there's people who are aboard the Kansas bandwagon, but Iowa State almost never gets the same courtesy. It's all, oh, you're underperforming, or oh, we do not care about you. Not on this podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. All right. No, we say we that for get Kansas rap- State. No. <laughs> joking. I'm joking. Andy's had that one loaded yes, for weeks. I just uh, sure did. <laughs> Let's wrap this up the way we always wrap up on Mondays. Let's look to the week ahead. Coming up this week, we got a Thursday showdown in Blacksburg, Virginia, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. On Saturday, we have Baylor at Iowa State, the uh, the Iron Skillet, TCU-SMU. Uh, what's probably going to be our game of the week, Duke at Kansas, Texas at Texas Tech, Kansas State at Oklahoma. Uh, to our incoming uh, brothers and sisters, hold on, I got to pull it up. Forgive me. La, 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 la. Uh, let's see. Cincinnati hosting Indiana, UCF hosting Georgia Tech, Houston hosting Rice, and uh, BYU hosting Wyoming. Everybody, you know the rules. You can't pick your team. Joe, that means you can pick whoever you want. Joe, I'll let you go first since you're our, our special guest. What is the game of the week for the Big 12 for you? What's the game you are most excited to watch, the one you're most intrigued to see? Oh, boy. Um, I think that the one I would have to go with is is not. I mean, Duke Kansas just has its intrigue, but I'm gonna go with SMU and TCU for the fact that Sonny Dykes plays his old team. Rhett Lashley plays against his former boss, if you will. Uh, SMU with disappointing loss to Maryland. TCU has been less than impressive so far. 
Um, so to me, that's going to be the one that I, I'm excited to watch. And I'm hoping that the final score is in the triple digits for each team, because why not? Let's just be weird about it. That is one iron skill at TCU. Absolutely can not lose as they will never, ever hear the end of it. Jamie, what's the game for you? I mean... Like it, it, it's almost like the default just to say like Duke Kansas. There's obviously so much intrigue there. There's a lot on the line. Um, a win it. Let's let's get a couple wins and uh, and set up that game day meet in the next week. But that's obviously intriguing. And then if I if I were to give a second, since that one is like so blatantly obvious, uh, Oklahoma K State. Like I want to see Oklahoma play. I still think. K-State's a decent team. Like, I very much was not, like, trying to talk down on them, whatever. So I want to see that matchup, and I want to see what K-State can pull together because they certainly can improve on some things. I do think. I do think that could be a good game. There is potential for that to still be a good game. Yeah, there's there's history of Kansas State getting upset by a <clears throat> Sunbelt team and then, I guess, well, G5 team and then turning around and beating Oklahoma, like, right away. So that's Andy. Yeah. You can't say Duke, so, Kansas. What are you going to do here? Well, okay, but one thing about the Duke-Kansas game that makes it so intriguing is the fact that Kansas is favored by more than a touchdown against a Power 5 school, which is not something that, honestly, I thought I would be saying for a while. Look, I... I the first, the time, first time since 07? Yeah. No, uh, no, 09. 09. 09, yeah. okay. Yeah, really, really weird to, to be thinking, or to to have that. But anyway... um. You know what? I I was going to say, well, I'm I'm actually torn between two because I am very interested to see Baylor and Iowa State and see just how much I like how good Iowa State's defense actually is because they really haven't played anybody to get a good sense of what it is and whether the Blake Shapin issues are actually issues or if it's just been you know a slow start um, for for the season for him. But I'm honestly more intrigued by this Texas, Texas Tech game. Donovan Smith has had, like, he has had flashes where he's looked really good, but has had a real big problem holding onto the ball um, with five interceptions in the last two weeks. Um, Texas, again, is a defensive team at this point. You have to wonder is Hudson Card going to be good enough to go and actually, you know, come out and, and play well in this game? We are so used to Texas and Texas Tech being offensive shootouts. Um, that it's going to be weird, I think, to see two teams who you could make the argument that both Texas Tech and Texas are, you know, have better defenses right now than they do offenses. So it will be interesting, I, I think, to kind of see that dynamic for this particular game. Um, so I think that's the one that I have to point to. Uh, look, it, it's Kansas Duke. It is Kansas Duke. It's an intriguing storyline. Kansas get to 4 and 0. Uh, 4-0 Kansas hosting potentially 4-0 Iowa State. We're gonna, we're gonna make College Game Day shut down their Twitter account. We're gonna bother them so much if that happens because just Not send like the game to your Lawrence. Couple fan bases that are chronically online. Yeah, I mean, gosh, Iowa State fan base no. and then you know Kansas fan base, which is now like all over the place. So, I mean, we literally talked about this on the show. The Big Twelve is the most online fan conference of, of fan bases you're gonna find. Thanks, Stu Mandel. Uh, <laughs> look, it's Duke, Kansas, but I will say this. Um, UCF had what should have been a good opportunity to knock off a P5 team against Louisville, and they didn't. Now they get a Georgia Tech team that's probably going to fire their head coach at some point this season. 
Uh, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Go get you a P5 win. You're going to need it. You need to be able to go up against a subpar P5 and beat them. And so let's see if the second half against FAU was a sign of things getting turned around or it was just a second half performance against FAU. So I am I'm very intrigued by UCF and uh, and Georgia Tech. Blah, 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 sorry, I almost said Indiana. But that's Cincinnati's opponent. Um, I look, I think it's a really good lineup. Someone's going to tell you it's not a good lineup this week. That's what they always do. Remember week two wasn't a good lineup. You shouldn't even bother. That's the weekend you should have taking your kids to Disneyland and it was awesome because every time someone nationally tells you that a weekend of college football is bad, you should immediately stop listening to those people because that should never be your take unless there's only like four teams who make the playoff every year. I think it's a great weekend. West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Baylor, Iowa State, we got conference play going, the iron skillet that TCU can't lose, a 3-0 Duke versus 3-0 Kansas and it's not in basketball, folks. I mean, what else do you need? On a college football weekend. That that's just that's just four games. We got plenty more to get to. So I am excited. I know you're all excited. Joe Joe Broback, thank you so much for joining us, man. I always appreciate your uh, your time, your energy, and your expertise. Do me a favor, where can everybody check out all the incredible work you do covering college football? Uh you can just follow me on social media at Joe Broback. <laughs> Keep it simple, Joe. Uh Jamie is on Twitter at JSteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. Don't forget the Cyclone Family Podcast. And Did also you... don't forget that I never stand by any of my opinions ever. What I say in the moment, I could change my mind in a split second. Do not come at me on Twitter. I do not care. So come at Jamie. <laughs> Andy Mitz at Andy Mitz 12. That's M-I-T-T-S. Host of the Rock Shock Podcast, of course, part of the 1012 Network. And Andy, how's that Blue Rings Rising going? Hey, it's going pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, my my editor over at Blue Wings Rising had to tweet about the fact, and I had failed to make this connection. Um, since we started the site over there at the beginning of this year, Kansas has won a national championship in basketball, and they are now three and zero in football. So. I mean, is it a coincidence or is there something going on over there? You should come find out. I mean, so we have a pedestrian bridge and a Sports Illustrated related blog to thank for Iowa State and Kansas's 3-0 starts to the season. See, college sports is weird, wacky, and wonderful. And, of course, you can follow us at 1012 Network on Twitter, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network, at 1012pod on the gram. And if you just want to shoot me an email for any reason whatsoever, of course. 1012 podcast at gmail.com leave us five stars leave us a review check out home field apparel uh check out prize picks it's the same promo code I'm, I'm lazy i use one promo code for everything so you guys can easily remember it we'll be back on thursday to make picks for the games it's not a good week i don't want to talk about it we'll talk to you then Podcast Network.